Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Remarkable Orator. I'm your host, Anika Apple, and boy, oh boy, do I have a show in store for you today. I am really excited um, to introduce my guest today, Um, and that special guest is none other than Randy Richwood, the man in motion. Um, And Randy Richwood, or Wood, as he is often referred to, um, is an actor, an author, an entrepreneur. He calls himself the blue collar guy, um, but he has done so many incredible things throughout his life. And I think one of the roles that he plays that he's incredibly proud of is his role as a father. It's it's one that he takes incredibly seriously, um, and he'll talk a bit about fatherhood um, on the journey. He is also someone who is incredibly spiritually connected as well, um, and that comes out in the podcast as well. Um, he's got a remarkable story, and so it just makes sense to have him here on The Remarkable Orator um, because this is the place where we really look at how we can help heal one another through stories and create connectivity. I want to share a short story about Wood um, and I. We've known each other for probably about 20 years. Um, And I would say he's a very special character. Um, The reason I say that is we became friends um, really early on, back in in my college years, um, at a really tough point in my life. And it's interesting because... um, I had gone through a domestic violence um, ridden relationship in college and um, I really struggled coming out of that to really find myself again. Um, I was really doubting who I was and worth and value. Um, I, I say that I was broken and it's interesting because through our friendship, um, I saw, heard, and felt God's love for me. And um, I don't talk about it in the podcast. Um, and and probably when he hears this intro, he'll have an out of body. But um, I tell Wood that he is love personified. And the reason that I say that is because what I didn't know back then is that I didn't have the recognition of how God used people in our lives in that way. But what I know to be true now is that God will take a person, it doesn't matter how they're connected to you, but if there's an opportunity for God to pour love through that person to you so that you can then see yourself as God sees you, he will do that. And that's exactly what Wood did for me. And so um, I'll round that out at the gratitude moment at the end of the show, but I just want to say that um, this is a really special episode to me. Wood has some incredible stories, lots of things that he's overcome in his life, um, and he is a great example of persevering. Um, he talks about, you know, fear and really not having fear because he just doesn't let, he just doesn't hold space for it. He just moves and pushes through it. Um, and he talks about his journey. He shares um, a lot of just who he is, which um, for those of you that that are familiar with him, you'll know that he is just pretty much an open book, which I guess is apropos for somebody that's an author. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to the remarkable Randy Richwood, the man in motion. Thanks for being with us today. 
Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Remarkable Orator. I'm your host, Anika Apple, and I have a fantastic guest I'm so excited about having with me today. And um, he really needs no introduction, but I'm gonna have him do the honors, but I bring to you my longtime friend, Randy Richwood, the man in motion. Randy, hey, welcome. Hey, hey, hey. I like that. Randy Richwood, the man in motion. The man <laughs> in motion. Thank you for having me. Hi. Hi. So glad that you could make it. Thank you for creating some time in your busy schedule to come on and share your remarkable story with us. Oh, for sure, man. Anything for you, young lady. Anything uh, for you. So appreciate that. So, Randy Richwood, I know that um, people typically call you Wood, so hopefully that's okay. That's fine. Um, so, Wood, you know, let's let's get right into it. You have a remarkable story. There's no question about that. Um, I'd love for you to just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, and then 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 we can just get in you know i'm gonna be all over you just all over, <laughs> asking all sorts of stuff i know lots and lots of details so so tell us tell our listeners a little bit about who you are well randy richwood born and raised out of east orange new jersey originally uh, man man uh author actor business owner father and just uh all around blue collar man trying to make things happen and you know move forward with life and uh you know beautiful transition beautiful transition is you know and uh, not afraid to walk through them them fires and them flames you know to get to where we need to go that's mm -hmm. awesome i also yeah. heard um maybe this maybe this is not true but i heard through the grapevine that you were um an aspiring real estate mogul is that right and well, and yeah, inspiring real estate mogul. Yeah, I take that inspiring. You know, I got into the um, real estate business uh, with a friend, and they uh, put me in the right direction. And once they put me in the right direction, and the numbers was correct, and they told me from A to Z what I need to do, from the credit scores to the, you know, keeping things in order. You know, I had an opportunity. You know, instead of getting a one family first, you know. I, I'm into business, so I went and got a three family. And from the three family, you know, I bought it and uh, I was blessed to go ahead and have some handyman skills and, uh, you know, clean up the things that I wanted to clean up and take care of the importance. And then once that I started seeing the revenue that comes in after every 30 days, you know, I was like, you know what? I started getting a scratch and starting to get the bug and getting that little itch to make me more interested into the real estate business. You know, and uh, you know, so we just took it from there. You know, so now we work. Now we're working on a second, uh, three unit home with three, uh, with three beautiful families, three families, three bedrooms, uh, each floor. No, first and second floor, and then a uh, one bedroom on the third floor. You know, and each one bring in like seventeen hundred dollars a month, and then the third floor with the one family brings in like eleven hundred dollars. So it's not bad at all. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, good luck with your continued yeah. adventures. So let's get into your story. You know, the, the whole 
premise of the Remarkable Orators is about how healing happens when we share stories because you know we've all been through things. You call them transitions. I heard you say that a moment ago, and um, people just need to understand how to make it through, how to navigate through things. And I think you have such an interesting story. I would say you have a lot of layers. And so let's peel back some of the layers. All right, let's peel them back. Go on. That was Go like on. that laugh. Like, it's good that they can't see us on Zoom because that laugh is like very sinister, right? I know the, the listeners are like, what's behind that? He really does have a lot of layers. You heard his list of all the things that he's done, right? So there's a lot there. So what's at the heart of who you are? Man, the heart of who I am is just uh, being a father, man. You know, that's the most beautiful thing that God has really blessed me with, you know, having a father figure and then, you know, starting out as a young man and raising my own and just stepping up to the plate, man. It's just the most beautiful thing to, to see something that you brought into this world and to nurture it, to love it, to care and to take on that responsibility and just to see them grow from, from the time they came out of mama wound and go through, you know, uh, daycare, then, uh, you know, after school programs and then elementary and high school and then college and just to be there, you know, and, you know, making sure as a father that, you know, you, uh, you do your part and you play your part. And it's, it's, it keeps you busy. It keeps you occupied, man, if you are hands-on. And it's a beautiful thing because the blessing behind it, you know, it comes with so many blessings that a lot of men won't ever see or recognize, you know, due to the fact of, like, just being a father is awesome, you know. And uh, I'm just past that. I'm, I'm, never, I'm always going to be a father, but I'm at the stage now to where, these are young men and young women, and they're on their own. But at the end of the day, I'm finally able to have some of my life that whatever I was missing while raising them and me still being young at heart, I'm able to chase my dreams and goals now. And they support me 100%, you know? That's awesome. And, and when you talk about the fact that, you know, they are young men and women now, and you have four kids, right? Did you want to yes. talk at all yes. about them, their ages, anything? Well, Jalil, I had Jalil uh, at the age of 16. Seven days later, I turned 17. And now Jalil's 29, and he's a school teacher. And awesome. uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he studies with special ed students, you know? Jalil was the type of young man that he goes to church with you or without you. Mm, uh, so that, you know, so that's a blessing in itself. Jalil has so many talents from not just the education, but the God-given voice that has given he's been blessed with that come from his, you know, from the man above, but been blessed to have a grandmother, grandparents on both ends, one that loves to sing and one that loves to go to church. And uh they took him in, you know, and for him to see that. Then we have Kiera, 24. You know, a young lady. She's about to make me a grandfather. Oh, you know? congratulations. Yes, yes. Uh, she's into loving children. She loved children. She always wanted her own daycare. Before she wanted her own daycare, she was always into pets and wanted to go to uh, veterinarian school. 
So, you know, she studied a lot with that and being hands-on with animals, especially dogs. And, um, you know, now she's in school back and forth, just making sure that she get her degree while I'm pregnant, doing online courses so that she can, you know, uh, move forward with her life. And, you know, she has a beautiful boyfriend in her life and they both love animals. So it's just a great combination, man. So I was blessed with, you know, uh, my first daughter, you know, and, uh, you know, she's a graduate and not completely out of college, but, you know, in college, you know, right. while carrying my first uh, grandchild, you know, then we got Kaya, Miss 21. Oh man, my, I call her my superstar. She's into so many activities out of Atlanta Clark down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, man, which is my world, my everything, man. She's just like the fruit don't fall far from the tree when it comes to her hustles, her, uh, her motivation, her, her drive. She's very well driven. Uh, man, she's uh, she used everything that she got that God has given her, you know, uh, not just from her smarts, but also with her figure. <laughs> and she carries herself very well, you know, and um, she has a clothing line coming out called Ramy Rich. And then she also does a, a, a bikini line called Takini. It's fantastic. And then we have my Mr. 16, Sahai. And um, man, just a bright young man, you know, uh, just love activities from football, basketball. Now he's into his hip hop, you know, and into drawing. He loved drawing. And, um, you know, he's just being a young man, just being a teenager, you know, finding his way and uh, liking girls, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but uh, he's a cool kid, you know. And uh, I'm just, I'm blessed to have, uh, to be hands on and uh, to able to witness and to see this, you know, uh, from the time they came out of their mama's womb, you know what I mean, to where they are now. You know, it's interesting because as I listen to you talk about each child or young adult in their cases, you know so much about each one, their interests, what makes them tick, what they're into. And yet at the same time, you were really young when you became a parent, right? Yeah, yes, so, yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Like I, what I know about you and I, and clearly is that being a parent is one of the things that you treasure above, above all. And so um, I know your children mean a lot to you, but tell us what, what that was like for you to kind of move into that responsibility at, at a young age. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Um, me being raised in two households, having a mother and a father, thank God, and um, seeing in one household with a lot of children and depression, but still able to get up and take care of the responsibilities and make sure they get out the house, make sure they got a food, food on the table, morning, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, it wasn't easy. And then to go into another household where it's very family-oriented and family gathering and you know, uh, very big on family reunion and family helping one another. I've seen so much, so much going into these two homes back and forth and two parents that weren't together but got along for the sake of the children. Mm -hmm. You know, they had their verbal arguments or misunderstandings, but they got resolved, not through courts. They got resolved by them compromising, working together. 
mm-hmm. you know, and disciplining one another. So it showed me that, you know, uh, even though the mom and pop not together and they don't see eye to eye any longer, but they damn sure know how to raise some children mm-hmm. and make sure, you know, that they do the best they can together, you know, and maybe their rules were maybe different, but at the end of the day, you followed them, you respected them. And um, I, that's where I got it from. That's where I got it from. And I just took in perspective for my generation and I just put a little twist to it, you know, because of everybody's generation on raising children were different. You know, there was different. So now when it was my turn, you know, I did it the same exact way, but at the end of the day, I had to do it in the 1990s, you know, <laughs> you know, way, you know, and uh, it just fell in order, man. Um, having the kids' mothers with understandings when things didn't uh, go in the right direction for us and we departed, you know, uh, you know, it's, it was bitter and sweet, but at the end of the day, in the beginning, it was bitter, you know, due to being a young man, being an asshole, making mistakes, you know, and uh, being forgiven, but no longer can be together. Mm-hmm. And for us to still work it out and still raise the children, for them to grow up, to see both parents doing activities together from uh, amusement parks, from going to beaches from uh, uh, going to uh, functions, you know, uh, uh, participating in the kids' activities together, meeting them there, uh, financially putting up your half because you didn't uh, bring these children in alone. You brought them in with someone. So you split the bill. You split the bill and you just handle your business. And when things wasn't, uh, say if I fall short on my end, it was saying, well, I want it by Monday, sucker, because you shot me $20. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Some things never change, Woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was on the payment plan, but they got it, you know? Oh. You know, so it was more like, you know, and um, <laughs> just giving a, a, a young father at that time a heads up on what needs to be done. And then once that it, it comes repeatedly, you should know automatically, oh, it's Thursday. I got to get ready for Friday. I get the kids this week and it's my week. You know, oh man, I got to make sure I take care of this daycare and I owe a 20, you know? <laughs> you know, and um, this being hands-on, man, just stopping by the schools unexpectedly, you know, when you had downtime or if you didn't work, you know, on, on a Tuesday or that Wednesday, you know, five-day work week, you get one day off in the, in the, uh, in the middle of the week and, you know, so you probably work, you know, you got time to, before you go to the gym or whatever you was going to do your day off on that weekday, you know, you take initiative without the parent telling you, you know, and just stop by the school and just poke your head in there, your daddy, you know what I mean? It's okay. So little things like that became a plus, you know, and, and also eased up from mommies because you mothers don't play when it comes to your children. That's right. So, you know, it's right. beautiful, man. You know, it's a blessing, you know. It's the little things that count that go a long way when it comes to parenting, you know, and it takes a little uh, ease off with the mothers because you guys are seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you know. And sometimes you you, you uh, ladies lose yourselves because you're so wrapped up into the children, you know. So. I know nothing about that. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> you're a mother of two. And I know. So I already know. And your hands on seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Oh, don't so, remind me. Don't remind me. <laughs> and now that it's COVID, every minute. You know, it's it's funny. You said something that really struck me, and I hadn't thought about this, but you know, one of the things my parents were divorced. They divorced when I was in the fourth grade. Um, and I also am recently divorced. I got divorced last year. Mm. And it's funny because my parents were unique in the fact that they they kind of, you know, wrestled a little bit with the divorce, like maybe the first couple of years, right. but they were right. the best of friends. Like they showed up at events together, you know, they were at right. things in high school and college, like holding hands and pictures and all that stuff. And my friends would be like, I thought your parents were divorced. And some people right, are like, right. oh, their parents are so cute. I'm like, they're not together. Right, um, right. But as you were saying that, and you were just talking about the, the picture that you painted of you and, you know, your children's moms, like, there's this like your commitment to be, to stay connected with them in honoring of raising a child. I got to imagine that comes with some tough lessons. Is, is there anything oh. you think our listeners could learn from that? Yes, yes. Learn how to put your feelings aside when you're the one at fault. Learn the fact that, you know, you made the mistake. So it's only right for her to handle her handle and leave your ass. You know, excuse my friend. And, you know, go on and life goes on. You know, you can't continue to mistreat somebody and eventually they're going to get sick of, you know. Some people stay for the children and some people say, uh-uh, we're not going to deal with it. And <clears throat> you have to learn from your mistakes because not that life isn't just perfect. You were the fault. You were the problem. You were the issue. And until you know how to resolve that issue, you know, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to be over here. And you have to learn and respect the fact that She's a beautiful woman, just like you as a handsome man. Somebody going to be attracted to your baby mother. Somebody going to be attracted to your baby father. So you can't get upset when you guys are no longer together and she finds somebody that's not, she's just attracted to, but they have a chemistry and they want to go on and move on with their lives. You know, and this is the time you're just not included. But you are included when it comes to your children. You are very well respected when it comes to your children. So we have to draw a line to where allowing her and also the male to go on with their lives, but don't indulge, no, indulge and encourage and love and respect the fact that when we are together, it's on behalf of our children. Mm. You know, we are, you know what I'm saying? Because the children need to see that mommy and daddy can still get along, even though mommy has a friend, even though daddy has a friend, until they make that relationship or move on into marriage whatsoever, you guys still have to work together. You have children to raise. These are your responsibilities. These are not his. These are not hers. These are ours. Yeah. I love that. It's interesting. See, for the listeners, I, I told them that you have a lot of layers and one of them just came out, right? You talked about, <laughs> you you very clearly talked about being the person, right? Responsible, like making mistakes. I, I heard the ownership from yeah. you. 
was it a journey for you to get to that place where you could look back at those relationships and and own what own your piece of it, own what you did, whatever may have happened yes. uh, the situations? Yes. Yes. It. You have to own it because you're the one did it. You know, you're young. You know, I had my children young. And at the time, I'm still ripping and running in nightclubs to a point where I become the entertainer, to the point because I become the manager of the club, to a point because I become owner of the club. And I'm a young man. And you got liquor involved. You have marijuana involved. You know, you have a good time. You got a lot of tight jeans and, you know, a beautiful black woman with fat asses and perky chest, you know. And, you know, and they got beautiful smiles and they, you know, and they like you and you like them, you know, and you get caught up into the alcohol and into the good music and you're dancing and you're rubbing on one another. And they say, I don't get but I just need you for one night. And you say, well, I need you, too, you know. But then after that, here come the phone calls. And now instead of removing yourself from the situation, you continue to activate what you know is dead ass wrong because now you're starting to see each other through lust, mm -hmm. through enjoyment of each other, through them smiles, through the figure, the body figure, the way they look and the way you look. And now you guys are attracted and you know it ain't right. So now here you are, you know, instead of coming home like you used to, you're making excuses when they already respected the fact that you into that type of lifestyle of running a mm -hmm. business of entertainment, you into that lifestyle of being out in the club because you met your girlfriend in that club, your baby mother in that club. You know, it just, she slowed down because she was more mature, she got pregnant and she wanted to raise a family and you was with it and you agreed, but you still outside indulging into mm -hmm. the outside life of having a good time as a young man or a young woman. So when you fall weak and you start making excuses, because you like somebody else, now you're oversleeping. That's when that word comes, and that, I'm sorry, that saying comes, you know, don't let the sun beat your ass home. Mm -hmm. And you end up doing what? Letting the sun beat your ass home. Mm -hmm. So when enough is enough, you have to accept the fact, like, you keep screwing up. It ain't me. Back in the day, we didn't have, uh, before. well, we had cell phones, but before the cell phones came out, we had the beepers. Oh my gosh, you know. don't date us like that. Like, I don't know. Hey, hey. I was too. I don't know how old you were. I know you yeah. were way older than I am. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, back in 94, 95, 96, 92, oh, 91, you know. Beepers. Oh my gosh. Some of our yeah, listeners don't even know what that is. <laughs> You're right. You had the beepers, you know, so you, you know, now you're making excuses. I couldn't get to a payphone in time, you know, and uh, or, you know, you're just making excuses after excuses until it catches up on you. Then it said, well, who is this? Because they beeping you like uh, you belong somewhere. So, you know, when you catch yourself overbearing yourself that you cannot try to juggle a whole family and a situationship that you put yourself into eventually it's going to catch up to you. Hmm. So you have to have ownership to it. Even with, uh, even with women. Women make mistakes too due to the fact of they still suffocated in the household that the husband or the boyfriend forgot to say that I, not that I love you, but how good she looks. So when she hears it somewhere else 
And all she get home is, you know, where's dinner? Put the kids to sleep. No, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No activities, you know, what happens? Soon as she go out with her girlfriends and somebody see how attractive she is, they remind her how beautiful she is. Sometimes she falls short. And when she falls short, they start messing up what? The home, yeah. you know? So it doesn't just uh, uh, aim at the men. Women fall short themselves mm-hmm. to where you have a good man and he apologized to you or nothing happened. He didn't do it. You did it, you know, but it was the things that were happening in the household that sometimes we get so overwhelmed by trying to be perfect, taking care of the responsibilities. We think that's enough. No. What happened to tell her how beautiful she was? What happened to tell her how much you love her? What happened to telling her, you know, uh, 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 that you're thinking about it just because, you know? So sometimes we forget about these things and we do them in the beginning of our relationship. And then as the years go on, sometimes we forget that the littlest things that count, they keep that smile in our, uh, in our union to where we start seeking it elsewhere. I, so I love that. I love all of what you just shared. And, and the, the question I have for you, there's a question here around like, how do you forgive? But I'm going to come back to that in a second, because I want to stay where you were at the end of that. <clears throat> One of the things that, that we didn't talk about when we, in, when we introduced you is that you were named Mr. Romance hey. by Oxygen Network. Hey! And so as you were talking about that at the end, about, you know, um, a, a woman being reminded by someone other than her partner, a significant other, that she's beautiful and things like that. I gotta imagine that some of that is how you got to, to, the, to that title. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about. Tell us a little bit. Give the listeners a little bit of, of Mr. Romance advice. I mean, clearly you started down that path, but seriously, tell us a little bit about what makes you Mr. Romance. Well, how I got into being Mr. Romance on Oxygen Network was um, I got the acting book. And I was at the age of, I think, man, I won that in 2003, 2004. So, you know, I think I was like 30, 32, 31. And, um, man, I got into the acting bug and reality TV just starting to come into play. And um, me and my son... You know, I went to acting school in West Barron, New York, uh, New York City, West Barron Acting School. And um, I took up a few classes on the weekends and uh, on a Thursday night and Saturday. And um, next thing you know, I started submitting my, my uh, headshots, you know, my, uh, my, my little uh, resume, which was nothing on it. <laughs> and um, started getting opportunities with the phone calls to come in for auditions. And just so happened, Oxygen Network was given, uh, doing what they didn't never say, was a reality show one taking, I think, eight men into the house and see who was uh, asking us questions on romance, love, lust, chivalry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I got the call back and um, I took my son with me and we were coming back on Penn Station and uh, on, the, on the path. As soon as we pulled in the nook, the phone rung and asked me, can I come back? And wow. me and my son just got on the path and we got on the path and switched back over. <laughs> and I went back to New York City 
And uh, that was history. I ended up being on uh, having a 13 cover contract on Holocron Romance Book Novels, which is uh, uh, an extension for the Kimani line off of Holocron Romance Book Novels, which sell a book every 4.6 seconds around the world. Amazing. And um, it was uh, three brothers and it was uh, five white boys. And man, it was a great challenge. It was a great uh, experience. And I, they, they just wanted you to be who you were, just being yourself. And me just having the respect for women and knowing how to carry myself, you know, I just was being myself. And I ended up winning the, uh, the whole shebang. And, uh, and it put me in a, a position for the nationals of uh, the world to see who Randy Ritual was, Mr. Romance. And then it, you know, allowed me to uh, be on 13 book covers, which I'm still working, working them out to this day. And um, do a lot of cruises and do a lot of book signings and uh, be around so many beautiful people, different ethnicities and learning on um, just love and different experiences. And what people go through, ups and downs, from lust to lies to, to uh, feeling good about each other and just comparing one another, being compatible. And those that did teen years, those that did forever, those that either, you know, seen their husband or their wife die, you know, and, uh, or, 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 uh, and, and have a story just like mine, you know, starting at a young age, falling in love at a young age. And... Some made it and some didn't. So just having an open ear and listening, you know, it, it put me in a perspective and it put me in a position to where like, wow, is this my calling? You know, and uh, it was just a beautiful ride and it still continues to be a beautiful ride. You know, to do book covers, to do a romance film independently. Uh, and, and, and just, man, it just gave me, a, a just opened up another world. And uh, I just been enjoying it. So that's how Mr. Romance came into play. That's awesome. Um, I was a voracious reader growing up, and I've read. I felt like every Harlequin romance novel. I do not remember <laughs> any of those covers, but you were you were probably twelve or something at that point. Yes. So um, <laughs> I well, I I was. So if I was twelve, you were twelve because we were about I was the same 12 age, too. Right? That's, that's right. That's right. Um, so you talked you talked about complimenting women. You talked about respect for women, but there's got to be something else. What what else is there that what do you do to create that kind of engagement? and connection with people because I think there is something um, very charismatic about you. Actually, I would say you've got a, like a pretty big and bold personality, um, but you've shared a lot of like that softer side of you with us. So how do you balance that? How do you balance that? What do you do? How do you connect honesty. with people? Yeah. Honesty. You got to be raw. Nobody ain't got time to be sugarcoating shit. Excuse my French, but I'll be honest with you. You have to be raw. If you, if you go around corners, they can sense it. Sometimes you get a lot of men say, I didn't want to tell a man because I didn't want to hurt her heart. So they did it another way. They just ain't say nothing and just left. No, I'm going to tell you your problem. I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm going I'm to listen to you. I'm going to pay attention to you. And I'm going to let you know that, excuse my French, but it's being honest. Your shit stink too. 
And if you don't, they're not going to be able to fix it because so many people are telling them how beautiful they are. So many people are trying to kiss ass just so that they can penetrate or be up under that person that they say, I just accept it. But you're coming over here to me and you're venting and you're upset and saying what she don't do. Well, when are you going to man up and stick your chest out and tell her? I think she would get more moist and become more satisfying because she knew what she does wasn't doing. She knew what she wasn't handling. But finally, that you stuck, you stuck your chest out and been a man enough to say, yo, look, you got to tighten this up. Because if you don't, it's starting to aim in another direction. You're giving her a fair warning. You're telling her. And even if you're not, you don't, you don't have to threaten her that you're looking elsewhere or somebody showing interest elsewhere. No, you can just let her know because you care and you don't want to go nowhere. You want to stay put. You like what you guys' situation is. But at the end of the day, if you don't speak on it, she's not going to resolve it because she thinks you're okay with it when inside you're not because you're afraid that she's going to go somewhere or leave you. Well, guess what? If it's meant to be, it will be. If it's not, then serenara. <laughs> because I'm not going to sit in a pot of misery. You're going you're gonna to respect me just like I respect you. You said you're going to do these things when we were, you was doing these things when we were together for months, for years. Whatever curved it to make you this comfortable point to a point to where you feel like whatever. Mm. Well, you got to nip it in the butt. It ain't going to be no whatever because you got me adjusted. You got me uh, used to you doing these things or being this type of person. Now, that's nothing wrong with transitioning, but transition for the better, not mm -hmm. for the worse. There's nothing wrong when you drop the ball because everything is not going to be perfect. Just for him, just like for her. But at the end of the day, if you remind one another what you missed or what, what, what's going on, it's called participating now. Mm. you have to participate maybe she got picked up an extra few hours on a job maybe you picked up a few extra hours on a job maybe she's tired because you know she was uh, from work she had to pick the kids up and take them out to track or to, to basketball or to football or to tumbling or whatever uh, or to karate and now she's tired when are you going to participate and say you know what man let me wash your ass for you baby but tomorrow, can I get some of your attention because the baby don't have, you know, a, 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 a class. She don't have a program. And what I mean by wash your ass, I mean, you know, massage your feet. Let me cook. Let me, you know, I'm not the best. So let me order something. You know, let me massage your feet when you come home, man, because I got home earlier before you did, you know, or vice versa. You know, you have a working man. And today is back. I know he was talking slick before. He left out the house or he said he promised he was going to do something. Well, you got to work with him. He can't be the porn star tonight. He can give you a little something. But he on the weekend when he full of energy, take what's yours. Take, take, take what's yours. And what I mean by that, you're going to do this today because I'm getting frustrated. I warned you and I told you. You feel good today. I massaged your back. I made sure you was good. And now it's Saturday. You ain't going nowhere until you satisfy your queen. You're not going nowhere until you satisfy your king. Because why? We're in this together. I talk about it. I spoke about it. You said okay. And you know what I mean? Throughout the week, we were raising our children. 
or we, you know, we're going through responsibilities, but damn it, we need time for us. So I can go ahead and scream and shout and release this tension on both ends. And we can go ahead and be happy because it's all about keeping each other happy. It ain't cannot be one-sided. Mm. Can't be one-sided. I feel like you are, are um, like a relationship expert. Is that I'm not what an expert. I just talk from experience. Yeah, but that, I'm just saying, is that, what, is that what we should expect from you in the future? That, no, no, that you're helping no, coach I'm not people? No, no, no. You ask me, I'm going to voice my opinion. Yeah. That's it. I, yeah, I, I don't. I, uh, I'm a I'm a jack of a lot of trades, but I'm a master at none. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm a jack of a lot of trades, but a master at none. You know. So, <laughs> so I can't convince you to be a relationship coach, but I do think nah. that you've got to help people with relationships through your books. Tell yes. the audience a little bit about your writing. Um. I wrote a book, One Man and Too Many Sheets, and uh, it's a little twist to it, you know? Um, I wrote the book just from my experiences, and then also I added some extra into it to keep the spice going. So, you know, uh, good fiction, uh, great, great read. And it just talks about, you know, uh, young adults that started from college, and then they moved on with their lives and how things got entangled, you know, due to finances and somebody was making more than the other one right now because they were still in school and they was waiting on uh, that day to come that what they went to school for um, uh, came through finally in their career, you know, with a job. But at the end of the day, they was doing it together and he was a smart young man. She was a smart woman, but you know, somebody went outside and started indulging in outside activities mm -hmm. and didn't know how to make that U-turn because in the beginning it was all about them too. And then when they started hanging out with friends and doing things that they're not usually doing, they got into it and started liking it. But then also it started bringing down their family. It started bringing down their relationship, you know, and things got ugly and turned out, you know, from the, from bad to good. And from good to bad, you know, mm -hmm. to a point to where, you know, uh, they both, you got to get the book. One man and too many sheets. <laughs> and um, I also wrote a book called The Lifestyle of a Male Exotic Dancer. Mm -hmm. And it was showing, uh, from my experience, coming right out of high school, uh, confused, uh, had it, uh, had my first, had my son. And then, you know, coming from the street of negativity and was trying to clean my life up before I go to prison. And um, a good friend of mine, man, that I went to school with was like the number one stunner when it came to male entertainment, putting smile on lady faces. And that guy named John Murder, AKA Paradise at the time, was mm -hmm. the best dancer in Jersey. And he saved my life because I was a street. And I didn't know how to dance. I do some house music, you know, but I didn't know how to do them what he was doing, you know, coming out the Luther Vandross and nice outfits and spinning and flipping and knowing the beats and all that from house music. Oh, man, you used to know how to love me, right? Work that motherfucker. Work that motherfucker. Hey, work that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> you know, all I was doing not in my head, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um... You know, him showing me the ropes, man, 
uh, uh, put me in that lifestyle. And I realized in that lifestyle, it came with nothing with positivity, be honest with you. You know, it was young men out there putting smile on young women faces that was coming from college, coming out of school, going to work, you know, and uh, having a good time on Thursday nights, you know, and um, getting home safe, you know, and just young men in college or coming out of high school or trying to get their degrees and their masters and et cetera, or having children at a young age before, you know, they didn't have nothing to lean on besides, you know, working, besides working at a fast food joint or taking up a trade. But, you know, when you're young, you ain't thinking like that. You still want to live on the mama roof and still have a little pocket money and still mm -hmm. think, you know, your little $20 is going to last all week and it's only good for that Thursday night and you broke again. But, you know, there's a will, there's a way, you know. Um, it showed me that, uh, man, it, it was safe. It was fun. It put a smile on people's faces. And it kept a lot of young men out of trouble. You know, and what young man wouldn't like beautiful women, you know what I mean, if he only had to do abs and do some push-ups, and they're going to put a lot of dollars in his in his, in his G-string. <laughs> wow. You know? Yes. So, you know, and it was better than selling crack cocaine on the corner. It was better than trying to be in the game. It was better than, uh, you know, doing something negative in the street, you know, when you come from the inner city. You know, and uh, you come up from a hard knock life from not having much to having something. And then um, a lot of positive, beautiful, black, energetic women in there and that were willing to help you become somebody, mm -hmm. you know, you know, besides having fun at the same time, you know. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sure you know, it sounds like you had a lot of fun. Oh, man, did I? Oh, you know, and uh, <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. So, you know, I ran, that I, life, I, I ran that lifestyle for over 10 years until I became the owner of it and created a business out of it, you know? So, great. yeah. That's Thank great. you, man. It's fantastic. You got to check that book out, too. Lifestyle of a Miller's Out of Dance, written by Randy Mitchell. Yeah, very much so. So, listeners, you've mm -hmm. got two more books to add to your list. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the so, process of right now of writing a book. Oh, uh, really? Just, Tell yes, us about we just that. Trying, well, it's um, just in the process of getting a title together, you know, and um, it's called, um, man, what I, what I created it was uh, How to Raise a Child as a, uh, as a Young Adult and How to Compromise, you know, so. You know, how to compromise while raising a child as a young adult. How to compromise while raising a child as a young adult, you know? So, you know, I want to show the young men and the young women that you guys can make it happen, you know, even if you guys decide to go each other's way. But you guys got to learn how to compromise while raising this child, you know, as a young adult, you know? So just speaking from experience, that's all. Yeah, and I think I feel like what you shared earlier just about parenting just demonstrates that there's a lot of wisdom and experiences there to share. So I think that will be a great read um, once it comes out. I, we'll be looking for it later this year. Yeah, yo, you already know it. You know, okay. dealing with this uh, COVID-19, I had some uh, downtime. So I've been very, very aggressive, you know, uh, into writing and getting it out. Um, and I like having a downtime because it allows me to just open up 
and have a peace, have some peace to myself and just let it all out, you know? And all I'm doing is speaking from experience from when I started with my young adult years, I fell in love with my son mother at 12 years old, you know, and four years later we had a child, you know, and then we still have forever together, you know, still seeing this young man blossom, you know, and we separated. And when I separated at the age of 18, because I got into another lifestyle, which she didn't approve of, or she wasn't even with nowhere. And I understood, but at the end of the day, the transition in life, you know, for me to go my way and for her to go our way, her way. And uh, we both end up being great parents, you know? And, and you know, uh, man, same job she's been on for, but going on 30 years now. You know what I mean? Into the nursing field, yes. And she also is uh, for the Board of Education, you know what I mean? Does security, you know? And, man, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to be a home healthy. <laughs> I, I told to you all. Ass. I told you. You heard it here first. <laughs> the man in motion has lots and lots of layers. There are layers and layers and layers. I remember being a home healthy. <laughs> I went to school for three weeks and got my certifications. And um, man, that was raising our child, man. And uh uh, I was uh, doing the mail reviews and I was working at the same time and um, I fell asleep inside one of my uh, one of my uh, 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 um, clients. What do they call? I mean, one of my patients uh, uh, that I had to oversee, you know, and he was like, it's OK, buddy. Relax. It's OK. I fell asleep and I didn't answer that walkie talkie. Automatic fire. <laughs> I, you know, what, what I love about your story is clearly there's just a, a ton of transparency. You know, the things that went well, the things that maybe not as, as maybe not as designed or how you would hope, but they all kind of form you into who you are today. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so clearly it's great that those experiences have kind of built you up to now. I want to go back to what you said earlier, um, just about, you know, taking ownership and you're owning the things that you've done. Um, tell us about the healing journey to get there, to be able to just like look at yourself and acknowledge the places where maybe you, you have fallen short of your expectations or <clears throat> expectations of others. How do you reconcile that? And, and what do you say to yourself? How do you you got to ask for forgiveness within yourself. You know, you can apologize who you hurt. But then after that, you got to ask for forgiveness within yourself because you know it ain't right. You know, but when karma comes around and you feel that pain that your partner was feeling, then you really say, wow, Woo! because it's going to come bite you in the ass. It don't have to be the same exact way. It's just a person just leaving, leaving a note and saying, sorry, I can't do this anymore. And you thinking everything is perfect, but at, on the inside for them, it wasn't. So you got to learn how to have a forgiving heart and be uh, and think and, uh, and always know that you ain't perfect either. Mm -hmm. You know, you, 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 you fall short as we all do. You know, we think one way, but next you know, maybe the, your partner ain't feeling that way. So when you learn how to 
not just ask for forgiveness, but also ask for cleanliness for yourself. Mm. You got to cleanse yourself. Sometimes you get sick of yourself. Mm. When you get sick of yourself, you know, you got to say, man, this ain't right. I don't like this person that I'm becoming. I wasn't raised this way. Why am I doing this? But it's not your fault because it's transitioning to where your eyes are being exposed to different lifestyles once that you become of age and you start seeing different things. And sometimes your mind say, well, I always wanted to try it, but I didn't know I was going to get addicted. Mm. So now you got to learn how to pull away for what seems good and you know it ain't good, but it's good for that moment. Mm. But how much you're going to indulge into it until you come sick of it? You see, it ain't good for you. It ain't good for your family. It ain't healthy. You know, you're just pulling different souls, man. And you can't even, you, you, you just everywhere. Everybody want a piece of you because mm -hmm. you're giving away a piece of you. And if you're a good individual and, and they love to be entertained, who are they going to contact? If they love and they like being around you, who are they going to call? Who are you going to call? You're going to call what you enjoy. You want to put yourself surrounded by people what you enjoy and who you enjoy. You got to learn how to say when enough is enough. Once that you become honest within yourself, you'll learn how to cut that off. And it's not their fault. It's your fault because you put yourself in them positions. Mm. That's deep. I think this that recognition of, of what you own in it, because I think a lot of times we spend time thinking about forgiveness and, and connection to the other person, but it really is about yourself, right? It is owning why you are where you are. It's owning why you feel the way you do, because somebody else can't make you feel anyway. No. You make yourself, you choose to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And you choose to tolerate the things that you tolerate. That's what I hear you mm -hmm. saying, right? Yes. You, you tolerate to what you can tolerate until enough is enough. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You said, man, this is not good for me. I can't get shit accomplished. This is not good for me. I can't get nothing done. But I like it. Yeah, but don't you got other responsibilities? And that's why mm -hmm. you're dropping the ball. Because you're over here liking this too much. Learn how to, it's like a, a, a ice cream. You know, you know you like ice cream, but you can't eat it all. And you know, say, so let me just take enough out and put the rest in the freezer. Then why are you not doing that with yourself? Why are you that goddamn greedy to where it's going to mess up everything? And then you got to start back from scratch. He gave you layers in life. He gave you chapters in life. He gave you steps in life. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But you, one, two, three, five, seven, nine. Wait a minute. What happened to six? What happened to eight? You cannot miss a step. You have to go by the layers and the steps. It takes time. Stop rushing somewhere you do not need to be that you're not built for. You have to, it's like going to school. You learned your ABCs, you learned your one, two, threes, then you went from multiples and then you went from to the dividends and so forth and so forth and so forth. 
levels, levels. You will make mistakes. You ain't going to win them all. You ain't going to be a student all the time. It will get that failure or that F coming. Hmm. But it should make you go back and say, where did I fucked up at? Where did I fuck up at? You know where you fucked up at because you missed six or you mix eight and you try to get the 10 without going through one through nine. So, so this is this is you saying, if I can bring it back around, that, as you said, he gives you. So are you talking about source? Oh, my man, the man above. Okay. All right. I just want to clarify for the listeners. Yeah, like, you're like, yeah. you're like, where do I find the man in motion to give me a list of what I'm supposed oh, to do? No, no, no. Now, God is a good God. You're a believer, and uh, man, you're you're witnessing yourself. You know, because anything you ask for, He will give it. But at the end of the day, are you prepared for it? Wow! Oh, what a great start to our two-part episode with Randy Richwood, the Man in Motion. I tell you, as I said in the beginning, Wood is just remarkable. There are just so many great stories um, across his journey, so many great nuggets coming out of part one um, of this story. And I know you are equally excited as I am to come back next week on Tuesday to hear the second part of The Man in Motion. Um, That's going to run on Tuesday, May 11th, so don't forget to set your calendars. So before I get to last remarks, I just want to talk about a couple of highlights from the episode. First and foremost, if you've not heard episode four, um, I would encourage you to take a listen to that, The Wounds of Imbalance. I talk about divine feminine and divine masculine and what happens when they're wounded. And I was very intentional about inviting Wood to be the very next guest that we would run these episodes right after each other because I wanted there to be a great model and example of someone who very comfortably leans into both divine feminine and divine masculine energies. Um, and I think that, you know, in, in what you've heard in part one, and it will definitely come across in part two as well, you can hear the confidence and balance of what it's like to be in divine masculine and um, I honor that Wood was very open about the places where he's he has been focused and what has been a part of his healing journey. And so you heard him talk about um, the ownership that he had for the mistakes that he's made in relationships and being forgiven. And then he talks later about forgiving yourself, having to look inside and forgive yourself. Um, and I honor that um, that healing process that you know he has been on. Um, he also talked about a call to action for honesty and being raw and the recognition that people know when you're not fully being all of who you are. Um, I honor that. I think that that was a really great point to bring forward. Um, I also like the points that he made around choice and being able to, you know, make decisions about what's right for you. And he said, I quote him in saying, I'm not going to sit in a pot of misery. Um, and that really stuck out for me. You know, I think so many times we find ourselves in situations and we're like, these are the circumstances. I mean, I'm just here, right? I'm just dealing with it. But what he reminded us of today is that we have 
choice. We can decide just because there are circumstances and things that have happened, we still get to choose how we're going to react to them. And we still get to choose how we're going to act. What will we do to boldly stand in the gap for ourselves? What will we do to change the trajectory of what's happening? I just thought that was a great point um, to bring home. I think the other piece of this episode that was so strong for me is the passion and commitment to fatherhood and co-parenting relationships. Um, as someone who just recently went through a divorce myself, um, I, I feel very, very blessed and grateful that my ex-husband um, is committed to co-parenting to co-parenting in the way that I am and that, you know, we honor that we have the responsibility of raising our children to be happy and healthy and whole, you know, through, throughout their lives. And, um, I know that that is not easy for people. It is not lost on, on me that, you know, it doesn't always happen that way and that people don't always have models and examples for how to do it. And that in so many cases, we can allow pride to stand in our way of having a healthy relationship with that co-parent that then has an adverse impact on the child or children. Um, Wood talked about, you know, the, the commitment to come together to raise children and, you know, how you have to honor that when you recognize that you might have been at fault or making or have made mistakes, that you have to recognize that you'll have to stand back or stand to the side, you know, as that other person decides to move on with their life. And I imagine that that was a really, you know, impactful lesson uh, based on what he shared today. Um, I also honor that the conversation just about fatherhood and pride in being a dad. And that leads me to our um, last remarks today. So the moment of gratitude um, that I have today is, is for fatherhood. And I'm going to intentionally take this moment to just champion the fathers who continue to push on, to learn, to grow, and who are committed to become better and better at being a father throughout their life. We don't always get it right. Parenting does not come with a manual. And so it's hard work. And... In, in a couple weeks, we will honor moms as we should. I look forward to that day of being honored because we work incredibly hard. And I also honor that, uh, especially coming up off of last week's episode where we talk about the wounded masculine, that it is work to be able to balance the energies together, that it is work to stand in the gap. It is work to let go of your pride, acknowledge you know, the, the missteps and mistakes that may have led to a co-parenting situation um, in this case, and still be rock solid and standing strong for your children. Um, that to push through, you know, some of the dynamics that may have happened or that you may have experienced in your life, um, and still figure out how to show up, how to be a parent that's different than maybe what was modeled or what you've experienced. So I want to honor fathers today who are committed to being present in the life of the of their children. Wood talked about sacrifice and he talked about the importance of the decisions that he made that allowed him to be present and be active in his children's life. And he didn't say that he gave up on his dreams. In fact, he said, 
that he focused on, on being a father and making decisions that supported that so that then he could get to this point as they are closer to, closer to an in adulthood where he can go chase his dreams. And I think it's important to recognize that there's no right or wrong way. There's no perfect blueprint for being a father. But there is a recognition that about what's important in that moment. And I think recognizing the needs of a a child or children to have the presence of their father is a really big deal. And you've got to know your kids well enough to know what that looks like and to ensure that you're standing in the gap for them, that you're there for them, that your presence is enough for them to help ensure that they have everything that they need and to recognize that your presence or absence is going to have an impact on their security and sense of self. And so today I honor you for the fathers who have truly been there, who have made the difficult sacrifices, who have figured out a way to not give up on themselves and their dreams, but know how important it is to be present for their families, for their children. So we honor you today. This has been a great episode. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. I promise you there are more layers to come in part two of the remarkable man in motion with Randy Richwood. And I look forward to you stopping by again next week when we roll into part two. Set your reminders and don't forget to come back because I'm going to tell you a story. Thanks for joining me on the Remarkable Orator Podcast. I am Anika Apple. Peace and blessings.